Let's pretend that this isn't advice. And I'm Erin, and I'm not giving you advice. It's it's not advice. I can't help myself <laughs> give advice. I don't mean to. I don't want to. I want you to be able to live your life, but I know how to do it. I'm a huge know-it-all, and this is where I practice not giving advice to people. Except I totally give advice to them. I'm a lawyer turned professional certified coach, and I just happen to give the best advice. But this is a podcast, not a coaching session, so I obviously don't do that here, except I do. This is not advice with Erin Conlon, your know-it-all lawyer coach friend. This is not advice. So on today's episode, I talk with Whitney Wasson. Whitney is a comedian and an actor and uh, an artist, and they have created a really amazing webcomic called Sober Rabbit, as long, along with a merchandise store. Go find them at SoberRabbit.com and buy stuff from them. Uh, I loved this conversation so much. We talked about sobriety. We talked about feeling your feelings. We talked about redefining success and um, the intersection of eating disorders and trauma. And just, it was an amazing conversation with an amazing human being. And I am certain that you'll love listening to them. Um, And if anything that I said resonated with you, please reach out. And uh, I would love to talk with you about me as a coach and anything that I could offer you service-wise. So take a listen. I hope you enjoy this conversation with the magical Whitney, creator of Sober Rabbit. Hey, Whitney. What up? (laughs) (laughs) You know, the sky, is that what people say now to be cool? (laughs) I would not know what's cool at this point. (laughs) So Whitney... Thank you for being a guest on this show. Uh, I am this host. I'm not an expert in anything, though I like to think that I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want to be an expert in you. So who are you? <laughs> That's so nice. Uh, I'm Whitney <laughs> W. I am an artist and a comedian, and I live in Chicago. Um, tell me about yourself. Like, What makes you you? Um, good question. I feel like I'm reevaluating that a lot during the pandemic, you know, as we all are of being like, what do I like? Who am I? Um, yeah, no, I'm someone who, um, has been an artist in a lot of different facets. I sort of started out with, um, theater and and writing, and then I shifted to stand up comedy. And -hmm. then I was hit by a car in 2019, walking to a stand-up comedy show in sort of a fluke way, and my foot was broken, and then I had nothing but time to draw. And so I sort of renewed my interest in drawing, and now I do a webcomic, and because of the pandemic, that sort of forced my shift away from stand-up. So it's funny. I mean, technically by trade, I've been a stand-up comedian for almost a decade, but um, now I've started saying that I'm a cartoonist, which is true as well. Oh, that's a big identity shift. So many during the pandemic. (laughs) (laughs) So tell us about like how drawing helped with your foot. 
Yeah. Um, well, by strange circumstances, I had all these shifting things happen in October of 2019. I had worked for a corporate job for many years and they, in the way that corporate jobs do, had a big restructure, meaning I didn't have a job anymore. Um, and so I was kind of in between things and I am someone who is a recovering alcoholic as well. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I started drawing just to sort of blow off steam um, this little character that was a rabbit that was like just very hungover and sad. And it was just kind of to amuse myself. And then I was headed to a show on like a normal day and like a street I had crossed a million times before. And a woman who was tired and leaving work was either changing the radio station or texting. She ran two lights and hit me. It was just, I mean, fluke of flukes. You know what I mean? It wasn't the average thing of like, it's a crazy intersection and you're dodging cars. You know, it was a really nothing was going on. And then all of a sudden a car hit me. So I was, I was already in this weird phase of like, I'd been unemployed for four months, which was unusual for me. I'm a very like, I don't know, kind of structured person. And then suddenly, um, I couldn't walk anymore. (laughs) And so, um, you know, that obviously canceled that comedy show and canceled many months of gigs for me. And I had to just be still. And that's something that, you know, as a person in recovery who I was someone who used to want like an instant fix, like I want to turn my brain off or I want to turn my brain on. Mm -hmm. And part of that for me is, is staying physically active as well. You know, I was someone who was always going to a mic, always going to a show, always seeing a play, just go, go, go. It's one of the great things about living in Chicago. You know, you can do so much, Um, but it literally grounded me. Like I had to be on the couch. I had a very broken foot, you know, couldn't move. Um, And so I was like, well, I guess I'll revisit this thing that I did my entire childhood, you know, which is draw. And then, you know, by strange circumstance, um, we shifted into the new year. And then very quickly after that, there was a pandemic. Um, And so I know that everybody has that moment of like, what were you doing during the pandemic? But uh, I had just gotten clearance to start walking again without a walker, without a boot. That's so not fair. (laughs) It was so crazy. And so then um, I I was actually looking forward to doing a tour. I had a club show. I had a conference gig booked. Like I was really going to do my stand-up comeback. And the universe spiked that down. And so I was like, you know what? Um, I'm not like a superstitious person, but I am a pragmatic person. So I was like, maybe I should shift to art more than stand up. And maybe this is something that I really should focus on. So I actually wound up starting an LLC. I have a couple of online stores. I know. I know you love that entrepreneurial (laughs) stuff. (laughs) But yeah, so it was just such a big shift. And it's very hard for me to think back and be like, wow, what was I even doing back when I could, you know, walk normally and go out in the world without a mask? And so yeah, a lot of big shifts in my life have happened. Yeah. What do you think the universe was telling you? You know, I think it's very easy to be like the universe is like, slow down. Like, because <laughs> I'm just, I've always been a very go, go, go person. I think some of that's driven by anxiety and depression of like, I have to maintain this momentum. Mm-hmm. And then I think that um, I've heard a lot of artists and stand up in particular. I don't, I don't know if you felt this way, but I felt like if I pause at any moment, if I stop what I'm doing, the momentum the momentum trademark will be lost, which isn't real, but that's something that real. a lot of other people have told me that, and, and even, you know, corporate people or doctors, people that are totally in a different field have been like, if I stop, then 
fill in the blank. And I don't think that that's real, but it is something that feels so like I always say that I have like an internal engine of anxiety and of overproductiveness and workaholism. And so it was a really like good lesson to be like, okay, girl, like you can't move, you know, sit down. (laughs) So it was helpful ultimately, but it's, it's still a shift, you know, staying home all the time and yeah. It's a total shift. You kind of have to like accept that you have an inner life, mm-hmm. regardless of whether you're outside in the world. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that whole in- in external versus internal thing that everybody is having, like, how do I want to present to people? Where do I want to be when I'm out? What do I want to look like? It's kind of like refreshing that everybody else is kind of dealing with that at the same time. <laughs> like, yeah. how is it refreshing for you? What do you see that you're like, other people are going, is there something that you see other people are experiencing that you were previously experiencing or? Um, a little bit, a little bit with the mobility stuff. Um, I am someone who was very fortunate to not have really had any underlying health problems that prevented me from walking. <laughs> and now mm-hmm. um, it's a long story and it's still a developing story, but um, my injuries are permanent. Um mm. And that's a big adjustment. So in a weird, petty way, (laughs) it's kind of nice that everybody's being like, wow, I really can't go outside or I really can't. You know, a lot of people like do team sports and they do traveling and all these things. And, you know, I I joke with people that like somewhat darkly, I've been on my couch since October of 2019. And so, (laughs) yeah. And so suddenly now that everybody was sort of grounded in the same way, literally grounded from flying, can't go out, can't go to the coffee shop. It was kind of like a weird um, balance that suddenly we're all in the same boat. And I know that everybody's boat is wildly different, but it kind of felt good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, everyone's boat is wildly different and we're also all human Mm -hmm. and we're all experiencing the same thing at the same time. And it's a massive collective worldwide trauma. Yeah. And it's so weird how like it's very different for you and me. And also it's the same thing. Right. Yeah. And I also don't, I, I have a little, um, because I have had various shakeups. Um, I, had I, I lost that job. I lost that mobility. I lost the career of stand-up somewhat overnight. Um, we actually wound up having to move out of our apartment because um, money <laughs> became a thing. And so I've, I've had a lot of loss and a lot of grief too in my personal life, um, like I'm sure everybody else has. But I am definitely not one of those people. I sort of bristle when people say, it's been so nice to just settle down and reconnect with myself because... Um, you're like, no, man. Oh, it's bad. And again, I've been on the couch thinking about this introspective stuff pre-pandemic. So I'm not one of those people that's like, it's been so nice because it's been rough. It's been rough. Yeah. What's like, I'm really sorry for all the things that you lost. It sounds like you really have to, you really had to rebuild your world. Yeah. Well, thanks. And and something that I've been pretty public about, so I think it's okay to say I, uh, I lost my best friend uh, this time last year, um, which is not related to the pandemic per se, but um, a lot of people with addiction problems and mental health problems have been stranded, you know, in all of this. And so it was related to that. Um, and so that's been a big, another big like day-to-day shift of what do you do when your friend of 20 years isn't there to text cat memes to anymore, (laughs) you know, like a lot of my coping mechanisms and comforts have gone away. So I know that's like, I feel like my, my topics are just getting sadder and sadder today, (laughs) but but I do feel like, you know, it's important to mention that, that grief and loss is something that we're all dealing with in the collective sense. And then also just in a personal way too. 
you know? Yeah. I'm, you know, I follow you on Instagram and Facebook and I knew about the loss of your friend and I'm so, so sorry. Oh, thank you. How are you, how are you doing with that? You know, it's, uh, sorry, as I adjust my cord, um, I'm doing okay. It's, I had heard people say, um, variations of this, but that grief isn't linear and that, you know, there's stages of it, but it hits at different times. And that's something that, um, I feel like is very accurate of like some days are fine. And then other days are, um, not great. And I'm someone who can kind of fall into the trap of being like, oh, today was bad because I wasn't productive. And so I've really had to battle myself with that and be like, no, sometimes you just have to grieve. Sometimes you have to do laundry and listen to Phoebe Bridgers and talk to no one (laughs) and, 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 you know, luxuriate it in it a little bit. I feel like, um, something, another addict thing is just, you know, I want to turn my brain off. I want a new emotion. I want something to be different. And, you know, that's not how humans work. That's not how life decisions and and life changes happen. You can't control very much. And I, you know, in a weird way, like the, the car accident, the pandemic, the loss of the friend, you know, it really drives home the idea that you have to stay in the present and what you have is what you have right now, you know? It sounds corny, but it really is like a moment to moment kind of thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, my way of luxuriating and sadness is lying on the floor and staring at the ceiling. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, love, well, you know, a character in my comic, uh, Brenda, the pigeon, is laying on the floor overwhelmed most of the time. Like, and that, <laughs> that is from life. Like, I love floor laying. I just, there's something to me about the coldness of the floor Mm -hmm. and like how flat it is and Mm -hmm. it doesn't cradle you and you have to meet it. Yeah. That makes me feel like, okay, I'm surrendering. Yeah. Yeah. Just like letting my body fall down. I'm surrendering. I can't with this shit. Yeah. And that's, that's a huge word in recovery as well. The idea of surrender, you know, that's not just a 12 step thing. I think that's like just how, you know, people talk, but it's important to sometimes just give in to, okay, I just have to be here. I have to accomplish nothing. I have to feel my feelings, you know, just have to be a puddle on the floor is how I describe it sometimes. <laughs> it's a total, uh, Oh man, feeling your feelings. Like I cannot tell you how many people struggle with that mm-hmm. addict or not. Mm-hmm. Like the, a lot of the people I work with are high functioning people mm-hmm. and they're always like, I don't need to feel that. And I'm like, mm-hmm, <laughs> you will. <laughs> yeah. 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 So tell us about like your art and what you're up to and tell us about your cartoons. Yeah. I love to. I, um, my primary project is a web comic called Sober Rabbit and it's about a recovering alcoholic rabbit. Um, who is me and who is not me? Uh, we share some commonalities, but, um, it's not purely autobiographical, which sometimes people think that comics always are. Um, so yeah, rabbits very, um, very moody and very, um, I don't know, short tempered sometimes (laughs) and, uh, can be on the depressive side and rabbits friend, Brenda, who is a tall blue pigeon, um, is sort of the anxiety ridden person in the comic. So, so depression and anxiety meet together. Yes, exactly. And so Brenda is very high strung and is sort of the panic to rabbits, slow burn angst. And <laughs> there's other animals and other um, issues that are discussed. I talk a lot about um, workaholism and uh, eating disorder recovery and substance use disorders and that sort of thing. It sounds really bleak, but it's usually very funny. 
Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I draw new comics Wednesday through Friday. And then uh, I have a Patreon as well that I share a bonus comic with on Wednesdays. And then I just sort of post any projects that I'm working on and any stuff that's up and coming there first. But um, yeah, generally, I'm, I'm just drawing little square comics for Instagram all the time. And then beyond that, I'm working on a book that hopefully will expand those stories. So, you are? Yeah, I am. Is it a comic book, like a book of comics, or is it a book book with words? Um, it's a graphic novel, but I would describe it as like um, like a novel that is pictures. <laughs> I know that sounds silly, but it's it's not a comic strip. You know, it is like a yeah. full-length story. So, yeah. That is so cool. <laughs> I can't – I love Sober Rabbit oh, so much. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm not in recovery, but like I think a lot of the things that – I do as a coach have crossover yeah. presence, mm-hmm. being willing to be with whatever, mm-hmm. you know, allowing mm-hmm. discomfort and choosing every day. Yeah. Um, and, but what I really, really love about your, your characters is that they're all so human. <laughs> For being animals. <laughs> but thank yeah. you. <laughs> well, you know, you see, I see myself in Brenda all the time because I am way more anxious than I am depressive although mm-hmm. I used to be mm-hmm. <laughs> on the sadder <laughs> side mm-hmm. and I think like so this is just my interpretation mm-hmm. and my experience of your work but it just makes it feel like oh it doesn't matter who you are we're all experiencing some variation of un undeserved rage at some point or lie on the floor sadness. Yeah. Yeah. It takes, it takes all of the emotions. And I think that's something that I'm learning just as a human, that it's okay to be pissed. You know, it's okay to be disappointed. It's also okay to experience joy and just be really happy and, you know, blissful about dumb stuff. Like that's, that's a skill that I'm really honing. Um, I've, it's funny you say that though. I've um, been surprised how many, um, non-addicts or normal people or normies or civilians, whatever you want to say, how many non-addicts have um, enjoyed the comic? I'm very moved that they um, are interested in it. I really thought that it was going to be something that was, you know, s- catering to a kind of specific um, disillusioned, maybe 12-step goer <laughs> that, that <laughs> likes it. But I love it. And I think that maybe that just has to do with, um, regardless of your experience, everybody has anxiety or fears or, you know, like just, just tough stuff you have to get through. It doesn't really matter who you are. Yeah. Well, you mentioned joy. Mm-hmm. What are small things that make you ridiculously happy? You know, I am a big lover of memes. I think like anyone who uses the internet. So I also do some recovery memes. I look at them all the time. Um, so I love that. I'm also a big time apartment gardener. Um, it's slightly oh. out of view. We're on webcam now, <laughs> but I have a big succulent situation going on. So I found um, that was a skill early in recovery that I was given some plants as a gift. And I was like, you know what? It's kind of nice to not focus on my survival for once and instead be like, can I keep this thing alive? Um, and that's become this huge hobby. I have a bunch of um, vegetables growing out back. I have a bunch of carnivorous plants now. That's a new thing that I'm into. Ooh, that's interesting. Yeah. So I'm a big apartment gardener. Um, 
That's super fun. And then this sounds so silly, but this is something that I'm fully embracing. There's a bunch of weird mushrooms around (laughs) in this beautiful natural place that I live in now on the Northwest side. Um, So I've been looking into mushrooms and I think that's going to be my next big expenditure. Like I'm going to get those mushroom growing kits and just get full blown crazy into that. I didn't know they had mushroom blowing, growing kits. It's a whole thing. I'm going to get you started on it now. I'll have to send it to you. <laughs> I, I hate mushrooms. I think they're so gross. Oh, no. They're so good. They have medicinal properties, too. And I'm not I mean, talking I, about the psychedelic kind. <laughs> so there's a tree, like, at the end of my block mm-hmm. that is dying, and it has a shit ton of weird mushrooms <gasps> all around it. I'll take pictures and Please send, send me pictures. I want to see what they are. I don't know what I'm talking about yet, but I will. I'm going to become a weird mushroom expert. Cool. What's next? Yeah. What about um, you? What have you found joy in? Oh, my God. So I adopted a puppy. Mm-hmm. I, she's really joyful just because like puppies. She's, <laughs> she's a puppy and she's super cute. Mm-hmm. Um, I get a lot of joy out of clean sheets. Mm-hmm. Like and having, um, I don't know, small peaceful moments mm-hmm. where like you're just kind of walking and the sky is blue and you hear birds sing something pretty and all of a sudden you're like oh this is a real moment mm-hmm. like it's not a movie it's a real moment i'm here yeah i also get a lot of joy out of a good falafel sandwich oh so good <laughs> like really love falafel and um i think the the other thing is when my hair looks good <laughs> Yeah, I saw the little color you did. That was very nice. I know, the blue. It's still here. Oh, I just can't. It blends beautifully into your painting. (laughs) (laughs) It actually does blend into my painting. You know, my friend Suzanne did this painting. It's a a succulent. Yeah. It's a rainbow succulent. Mm -hmm. And she does tons of succulent paintings. I should introduce you to her. (gasps) I love it. Yeah, I I mostly do drawings, so I'm always impressed with painters. It's very pretty. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, so you said, like, you're kind of surprised that people resonate with your your art and with Sober Rabbit. Why was it important to you to start it? Um, There's a couple of different things that sort of brewed together to make the desire for it. Um, I had a lot of expectations and just kind of assumptions about what going to 12-step meetings would be and what having a life without alcohol would be. And a lot of them were wrong. Like a lot of what I thought alcoholism was, was not real. I was someone who um, definitely checked every textbook thing for being an alcoholic. You know, I, mm-hmm. I was every kind of drinker, social, alone, you know, beer, liquor, drugs, you name it. Um, and my problem since I was a teenager was just not having an off switch with that. You know, if I ever started drinking or doing any kind of drugs, I was off to the races. And so um, at the same time, I was able to um, go to college get a couple of grants for art, um, do plays, be a comedy producer. Like I'm someone who has air quotes achieved a lot of things, but that whole time I was killing myself with drinking and drugs. And so, um, I've heard other people say this as well, but I just thought, Oh, well, because I was doing fill in the blank, I wasn't an alcoholic when Mm. I was again, doing all the things that alcoholics did. So going into recovery, I just sort of thought like, well, I'll find some way to get a handle on it. 
and then I'll just, you know, keep doing what I'm doing. Um, and I think a lot of people when they get sober, think that too, of like, I'll find some, I'll find some fix for this. You know, again, that's addict thinking. (laughs) Um, and, and then I'll just be fine. It'll be fine. You know, so much mm-hmm. avoidance, so much dishonesty, you know, emotional. It's cool. It's, cool. it's fine. Everything's yeah, it's fine. Cool. It's, it's the, this is fine dog, you know, Casey Green's <laughs> uh, perfect uh, comic. But, um, but yeah, so I had all these wrong ideas about it. And when I actually started going to 12 step meetings and going to, you know, just support groups and having therapy and all the things that you should do when you're really messed up and need help. Um, I noticed that the public perception of what it is to be an alcoholic and an addict and the reality of being an alcoholic and an addict, alcoholic or addict is, is different. You know, I know a ton of high functioning, successful, smart, good looking, you know, cool people who are you know, rock bottom addicts. And I don't say that to be mean to them, but I just mean that you can have all these material things and look like you're doing well. And personally, privately be a mess and it feels terrible. (laughs) So I just sort of wanted to write about, um, what it's like to be a sober person and view the world. But then more than that, um, show that there's a couple different ways to do that. And the other thing Mm -hmm. that, um, is a pet peeve of mine is a lot of addiction stories sort of deal with, okay, there's this person that's doing a lot and then they hit rock bottom or it starts with, um, there's someone, uh, rock bottom and then they achieve so much that you forget that they're an addict and it's fine that those stories exist and i know that there's tony robbins types in the world that have these incredible clear linear rags to riches you know bazillionaire and you know more power to them um but i don't think there's a lot of stories just in pop culture whether that's you know a movie a, a book a comic book that really show what it's like when you're for example almost five years sober um mm-hmm. It's not that interesting. I mean, it's not that it's not like fun, but it's just um, people sort of romanticize it. You're either, uh, you know, a doomed, tragic, brooding addict who puts this wonderful art out and dies, or, you know, you're the squeaky clean um, cross country runner who gets up every day and, and has this very clean living life. Like those, again, those extremes are fine, but I don't think most people are that way. You know, I think everybody has extremes and I think everybody has aspects that makes them very boring and mundane and stable. And so I wanted to confront the idea that, well, actually stability isn't boring. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's actually quite nice to like not wake up and throw up and be in bed with strangers and have a, you know, totally screwed up bank account. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, there's also plenty of bizarre, extraordinary, interesting things that happen, too. So I just sort of wanted to show what it's like um, when you stay sober. And I think in that respect, it's a pretty unique project because I haven't seen a lot of stuff that isn't kind of tokenizing or talking down or being patronizing to addicts. So I try yeah. to strike a balance, you know. I think, well, I think you do a great job. Oh, thank you. Um, And what I, like, one of the things that I really like about it is that it doesn't make addicts others. Mm -hmm. Like, it doesn't other addiction. It just is people in, or animals in Mm -hmm. the world. Yeah. Who have a thing that they deal with every day. Yeah. And and that, for me, helps me not other myself. You know, I, Mm -hmm. I think that, um that some people can talk too much about like artist therapy and craft is therapy. And like, that's fine, you know, but for me, like it's, it's just really having a sense of humor and an outlet for the darkness, <laughs> you know, but it, it, but it is also just, you know, these people, um, it's been so eye opening to me to meet so many different kinds of people in recovery. 
um, mm-hmm. and, and who are sober because it's been a big eye-opening thing for me that um, a lot of people never drink because of religious beliefs or health problems or family history. And they're, they're in the same, you know, situation that I am really of it's, it's different to be openly abstaining from substances. You know, it's, it's a different walk of life. So yeah. at the same time, they're just people, you know? Yep. I, I think Kathy Griffin used to talk about being sober because of her family and mm-hmm. her mom drinking all of the time. Mm-hmm. And I, I haven't, I stopped following her like intentionally, not because I didn't like her. I just stopped using Twitter. Yeah. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I saw that recently, like she, you know, was diagnosed with lung cancer. And then the other day she said, I, I just had my surgery and yeah. I'm a recovering opioid addict. Ugh. And it's, Did you see this? I didn't see the opioid addict part. That's so tough. And so she's like doing this. She almost overdosed and died last year. So she's been sober for a year and she's doing her lung surgery recovery with Tylenol. And it's like the commitment that you need to have to yourself to withstand that and to choose that. Yeah. Like if we all gave ourselves a little bit of that kind of self-love. Yeah. Could you imagine like some cool things that would happen? I mean, and that's what's so interesting about recovery. Like for for me, and I think it's true for a lot of people too, like this idea of like, you know, maybe you could have a scrap of (laughs) self-esteem. Like maybe you could be nice to yourself. And instead of that, you know, censoring voice of like, you're not good enough. You'll never do this. You're fat. You're too skinny. Like whatever it is. Like what if you just told it to be quiet for a little bit? And I'm sure as a coach, that's like a huge hurdle that you deal with in everything. But, mm-hmm. you know, just that sort of um, revolutionary idea of like, what if you're okay? You know, it's like the anti-Bojack. <laughs> I'm like, what if you're actually not this broken mess? And what if you're okay? And then what is that like? Do you enjoy it? It's okay to enjoy it. You know, that's where I am I mean, anyway. <laughs> yeah, I'm in that place where I'm like, man, I started, I'm alive because like, why else would I be here? I apparently chose this timeline mm-hmm. for some reason. Mm-hmm. So this is where I'm at. I might as well have fun with it. Yeah. Um, and I used to be in that like achieve, achieve, achieve mm-hmm. thing. And it sucked for me because I wasn't achieving in the yeah. level that I thought I should have been. Yeah. And I hated what I was doing and it felt like I was really, really empty. And now I'm like, well, I don't have as much money, but I really like my days. Yeah. Uh, And isn't that the point of everything, though? Just to find, like, what you enjoy and then just do it. Like, I think that's mm -hmm. what I'm whittling down in my life, too. Like, I love drawing. You know, it doesn't have to be this. I don't have to sell this book and be the most successful cartoonist because, like, there's so many different avenues, you know, to doing that. I just like drawing. I like drawing rabbits, you know, (laughs) like, at the (laughs) core of it. It's fun. (laughs) Yeah. Well, do you have like a longer vision for what you want to do? Not from an achievement place, but from uh, what your message is or how? Yeah, I um, I feel like there's a topic that I keep going back to. So, um, you know, sorry and, and slight trigger warning there. My, my friend's um, intentional death um, changed a lot for me. You know, it, it didn't just change our friend group and splinter things and, and cast a kind of different pall on my childhood. Um, but my book 
that I was that I started writing last year. Um, and again, very ambitious. I just started this comic and I'll just write this book. What was I thinking? Um, but <laughs> the book that I started drawing is very different from the book that I'm working on now because um, losing my best friend made me go back and think about all these crazy times that we had together since we met in junior high band. <laughs> like That's oh God, a whole lot play? of backstory. <laughs> well, they played tuba and I played flute, so not oh, at all in the same God. realm. Um <laughs> But yeah, and then our other friends played um, clarinet and saxophone. And so it was sort of like a woodwind brass division. But uh, <laughs> it was very, we were like the nerdiest people on the planet. Um, but so so the book that I started writing was about um, Rabbit having been sober for like a year and just sort mm -hmm. of this new world of like, what's it like to hang out with people that are bettering themselves and working on their mental health? And what's it like to be in a relationship and in therapy? You know, all these things that were very new in my life. Um and it's now sort of morphed into um, kind of a darker story of like, what, what are the things that incited addiction? Like, what are the things that sort of sparked these very destructive tendencies that, that me and all addicts have? And so um, the book now is, is about my childhood and it's about my adolescence and about some um, big things that happened. And again, like it's loosely autobiographical, but I am really injecting it with some straight from life stuff um, about bad decisions that I made and, and hardships that just sort of happened. And it's basically, um, you know, the, the fun idea of trying to get at the root of, of trauma. You know, that's fun. That's, that's a thing we all want to do. Um, but no, it, it will be funny and sad. And so um, it's been a big shift to be like, oh, this is a completely different project, you know, than I'd planned to do. And so uh, along those lines, I think the first book that I sort of envisioned and plotted out will actually be the second book. And then mm -hmm. um, my third book, I don't want to spoil too much, but it will be about Brenda. And so I actually have, I don't know, it sounds wild to think about it, but I have kind of a series in my head um, of how this will That's go. So and, cool. I just got yeah. goosebumps. Oh. I'm like, <laughs> well, I, I keep, um, I keep joking about this book of Brenda. I'm not sure what I'll call it, but I keep just joking that that's yeah, what it is. Call it the book of Brenda. <laughs> the book of Brenda. So monumental. Um, but yeah, so I've, I've got several books, you know, in my head. And I think that in order to make those happen, I have to continue to, uh, beef up my, online stores, which is, a you know, that's now my day job. I don't know if you can see boxes behind me, uh, but I ship out art and I ship out uh, pens and t-shirts. And so I think that, um, you know, I can get, I'm a Capricorn. I can get really into the, this is what I'm going to do. And this is how I'm going to achieve because I'm insane. Um, but I think it will just be more storytelling, better storytelling, you know. Um, sorry, my, my neighbor dog is barking. <laughs> It's fine. But, Zelda uh, can't hear it, so as long as it doesn't create like a chorus. Oh yeah, <laughs> bark a barking club. Um, but yeah, no, I think just um just more books and more projects, and this whole time I will be continuing the uh, story that I'm telling on Instagram, which is sort of you know bits and pieces. I think it's very hard to do long term still storytelling on a little square medium that only has ten panels. But um, so I'll just have a couple of stories, you know, there still it's interesting because you know there's some kind of freedom in the limitation that like instagram creates sometimes yeah. for me when i'm in a creative place and it's like wide open i'm like yeah 
I can't do anything. Yeah. And, and the thing about like the thing that's wonderful and terrible about um, any art stuff or really e- even any business stuff nowadays, it's like, do you want to print something? Okay. You can print anything. <laughs> like, do you want to video something? Great. You can put all of that on. Like it's, it's a little overwhelming and I'm, I'm very impressed that young artists can like use TikTok and use Instagram and use stories on Instagram and like all these cool ways to make art that I'm just like struggling to draw a rabbit on a piece of paper. <laughs> but, like, you know, more power to them. Like it, it can be overwhelming to be like, okay, I'll create. Now that could be 175,000 different things. Yeah. What, um, what's some really helpful advice that you've gotten in the realm of being a creative professional? Oh man. Um, I had a mentor, um, in recovery who had, um, many, many more years than I did of, uh, experience in the art world. And she said something that blew my mind. She said, um, some people need a long runway. And I thought that that was just like, it killed me at the time. <laughs> I was like, that How is so because that's just the, the antithesis of, of my arts training when I was a younger person. Um, I, in the theater, um, it was very punishing. It was a very high achieving, uh, sort of high level of excellence, you know, expected. And it was more like you better achieve, you know? Mm. And so this idea that, you know, take your time, like some people are going to take off and you love them and you're like, of course, they're the most talented people on the planet. And other times people that you hate, <laughs> you feel, I'm speaking from experience, people that I hate that I think are moralless and soulless and step on necks to get their way, they're going to do great and you're going to see their face everywhere. And yeah. that is is painful and crappy, but it's also not your experience. You know what I mean? Someone else's, and some, someone said this as well. They said, you know, their, their success isn't your failure. And that's something that I've had to really internalize as well. Have you? Kind of. I mean, I'm reporting to you from a basement uh, (laughs) and I'm 34 and now I'm crippled. So like there's been an adjustment. Um, But no, I really think that life is sort of pushing me into, okay, weirdo, like what's the thing that you like? Um, What's the thing that that sets you apart a little from other people? And, you know, I'm someone who's always been able to draw. And why haven't I harnessed that? You know what I mean? Like, why is this a skill that I have that I haven't like beefed up? So totally. Well, what's some really crappy advice that you've gotten? Um, there's so sobriety and for art. Like I want to hear all the crap. Oh yeah. There's been so much bad advice as a coach. I'm sure we'll just knock you out. Um, (laughs) my, my first worst mentor who in like a lot of ways, I think I'm still getting over this. Um, his perspective on being a young actor was um, be a blank slate. And he meant it is best for you to be neutral and and look very thin and look very um, doe-eyed and look like you could be molded into anything. And Did so- Did he give that same advice to men? In a different toxic way, I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, at least as, as long as there's a little parody. Yeah. I mean, a little, but not much. So so 
in a lot of ways, I think that that mirrored a lot of people's thinking in theater of like, you have to be this athlete, you have to be this sponge of other people's advice, you have to go in just expectationless, and they have to tell you what to do. And that was just, so I just thought, oh, okay, I have to be thin, and I have to be quiet, and I have to be polite, and I can't bring any of my weird southernness, you know, I think that's a large part of why I... um lost my accent. You know, I'm, I'm a Southern person from Arkansas. And I think that was like, oh, I can't, I can't be myself. I have to like wipe this away. And that was so damaging to not be myself, you know, that, and that's something that, again, I'm 34 years old that I actively have to be like, you know what, this is what I got. And it's not bad. You know what I mean? Like, and, and that's just a very basic self-esteem thing too, to be like, you are not bad. Like you deserve good things. Um, <laughs> like you are not broken. So you do not have yeah. to wipe yourself clean into a popsicle right, stick in order for other people to accept you and choose you. Yes. Because the implication is that you're bad to start with. That's not true. Like I was an 18 year old actor. Like, what are you talking about? Um, so that was terrible. And then um, I've had other people, um, I don't know, something that I'm increasingly addressing in the comic is, um, the 12 step recovery sort of abstinence only substance recovery people um, are not the most in tune with eating disorder recovery. And so mm-hmm. there can be a lot of um, damaging stuff there. That's actually what I'm addressing with Brenda's storyline in, in the comic right now, um, that a lot of people can have these great, wonderful, inclusive, gr- like just wonderful ideas about recovery and then be fat shaming or um, talk about the way people look or say stuff like um, that. Uh, food is some food is bad and some food is good. And as addicts, I think it's very easy to fall into the trap of um, the hamster wheel of whatever it is. And so a lot of people mm-hmm. sort of, and I, I can fall in the, into this too, have addiction transference towards exercising and towards eating and towards intermittent fasting. And there's a lot of like rigid structures that, um, that, I, that I am into, you know what I mean? Like as soon, and, and that's just me personally, that if I start counting calories, I'm off to the races. Um, <laughs> I'm just, I know it turns me into a crazy person. Yes. So I absolutely refuse to do it yeah. because it turns me into a crazy person. And yeah. then I'm like, oh, well, if I do this 45 minute high intensity interval training, weight, weightlifting, jumping workout, <laughs> and it's like a constant math equation, yeah. except that's not actually working to get me to where I want to ostensibly be. No, it's just stronger and healthier and fitter. I know it's, it's like sort of achievement. And I think that that's just because like humans like checking things off in boxes and they like categorization. But in that same vein, um, now with all these mobility issues that I have, um, I, the short way to say it is that I have post-traumatic arthritis from a car Mm -hmm. running over my foot. So my foot was sort of cut in half by this. It was awful. Um, but a lot of people, and I was actually just talking to my therapist about this. Um, so it's great to uh, have a therapy session and then go straight into talking to a recovery coach. It's- or, or not a recovery coach, but a coach. You know what I mean? Um, I'm not a I'm not a recovery coach. I do not ever want people to like get the. I don't want to portray myself that way because I know it's a very specific thing. Yeah, but to go into someone who is like about like bettering yourself and all that. It's a, oh yeah, totally, it's a nice totally, vibe. totally. Um, but um. Yeah, like uh, I totally lost my train of thought. Um, you were talking about your foot and oh my foot. Yes, about- yes. Bad advice. Um, taking into consideration that I was hit by a car and that 
my foot was broken and that it's permanent and that this is a new thing for me and I'm very sensitive about it. A lot of people have thrown out the killer line that I have heard all my life, which is, you should just do yoga. <laughs> I should just do it. And people will say stuff like, um, have you, have you tried icing it? Like, have you, oh like, what God. about, what about physical therapy? And it's just, again, like it's 2021 and this happened in 2019. So I just have to sort of look at them and be like, wow, no, I had never thought to ice it. You're right. Like I've seen like 10 doctors and never once have they said, Nobody wow, told me to that's it. Yeah. <laughs> and so like, I can just, I feel like that's kind of a carryover from the sober people sometimes not getting the ED recovery that like you don't know what someone else is going through. And so, you know, I find I'm, again, I'm a very like prescriptive, like here's my advice kind of person as well. But I've really, it's really been um, kind of a paradigm shift of, um, of how I wasn't recognizing how difficult it is when someone has back, neck, foot issues, like chronic pain is totally new to me. And so mm-hmm. I'm sure that I was the person recommending yoga in the past, but yeah, it's been well, a and it's all It's all well-meaning, right? Like you want the people that you care about to feel better. Mm -hmm. My sister had a traumatic foot accident last year too. Mm -hmm. She's had three surgeries. Oh no. And she, this is how my family thinks we go to extremes. She's like, what if they cut off my foot? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And like, it's, it's traumatizing to live in this limbo of will I ever walk again? Yeah. Um, so I'm really sorry. <laughs> well, thanks. No, and it's it's re- it's honestly very helpful when someone says, "Oh, my friend got run over." Um, I found a friend um, through comedy actually who has exactly the same injury as me from the same kind of accident, and so it's just been Seriously? really nice for her to be like, "Oh yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about." Um, and sh- and she sort of went the surgery route, and I haven't, and that was sort of held up by the pandemic, which is part of you know my problems, and so. Um, yeah, no, uh, mobility stuff is tough. And it's <laughs> you know, my terrible advice to her was, mm-hmm. well, because she also had completed yoga teacher training and was a long Ugh. distance runner. Oh, no. And she used exercise as a way to manage her anxiety. Yeah. So she doesn't have those yep. things that she relies on mm-hmm. to keep her mental health in, pl- in place. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, what if you get a wheelchair? I know. <laughs> and just like race around the track. I know. Which is, I'm sure, terrible advice. <laughs> well, but it's funny you say that because I don't know if you ever, have you seen the documentary Murder Ball? Mm, oh, I think I had like a while ago. Yeah, it's about basketball it's been, and wheelchairs. Yeah, it's been a many, it's been many years since I saw it, but it's essentially wheelchair rugby. And I was talking to my husband and I was like, I need one of those wheelchairs. <laughs> like maybe me and your sister need that as well of like, <laughs> I'm busy. Like I need, like there's been discussion of like, what if I got a scooter and stuff? And this is where my attic brain goes. I'm just like, how fast does it go? <laughs> like, that should not be the first question. It should be like, am I comfortable? Is this healthy? And <laughs> not like, I want to go fast, but like, what kind of helmet do I need? Do I need exactly. a full face helmet or just like a top of yes? Helmet? And can I paint flames on it? And can it have glitter? Um, but yeah, but no, I, I I directly relate to your sister's stuff of like I don't have this coping mechanism anymore of of jogging mm. or not that that was ever particularly my thing, but just like you know going to a coffee shop and all that. I have to think about where I'm moving, and it's it's a big change. Yeah. How do you, like, how do you relate to yourself now? Have you settled on, like, 
anything? Are you still feeling like your identities are all in limbo? Or um, yeah, there's there's kind of a lot going on. I feel like um, my whole life is probably recovering from my very repressive Southern upbringing. Um, and that's not even my parents or family. It's just more like the environment that I was in. Um, I joke, you know, in the shadow of the Baptist church. <laughs> it's like literally where I grew up. Um, but yeah, so there's a lot of gender identity stuff, you know, that's new for me. And um, I really like that a lot of people are talking about that um, in the pandemic of like, wow, here I am. I can choose my um, how I want to present myself. And when the world resumes, I can go out looking differently, maybe, you know, mm -hmm. or whether that's clothes or, you know, um, changing yourself in other ways, you know, so that's been different. And I think that I've, um, I've really gotten better about radical self-acceptance. Um, and just radical acceptance is so yeah. hard. And then radical self-acceptance is like the master's level. Of yeah. That. It's like the Olympics of being okay with yourself. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, so I'm working on a lot of that, but I feel like, um, I'm a lot more at peace with myself and, you know, I don't know if that's age of like just sort of mellowing out into who I am. I I'm guessing recovery is a huge part of it, of no longer trying to hide who I am with drugs and alcohol and who I think I should be. You know, I'm, I really feel like I'm trying to phase the word supposed out of my uh, vocabulary. If you're not supposed to be anybody, you're not supposed to be this thing, like be what you want, you know? Yeah. Have you ever heard the phrase stop shooting all over yourself? <laughs> no, but I love it. <laughs> that sounds like a sober thing. <laughs> you can keep it. I love it. Maybe Brenda will have that. <laughs> but it's what it's it's true. Like mm -hmm. I lived in a should for a really long time. Mm -hmm. I should like whatever. I should be making so much money. I should want to date this person. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I stopped going, like, what should I do? And started asking, what do I want to do? Mm -hmm. That things got really, really different for me. Um, yeah, that's scary. That's the scariest stuff in the world. Not to be like, what am I supposed to be? What should I do? But like, what do you actually want? What do you deep down want? Like, whew, that's tough. Well, and my wants and my needs are very close together. Mm -hmm. Like, I want to be of service in the world. And also part of what I hated about my old job was that I couldn't be. Mm -hmm. I felt like I wasn't and I needed to be. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm like, all right, well, I hope I am, yeah. <laughs> but I feel like I am. Um, so yeah, I, I really, I, I relate to that a lot is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, no, I, I get it. And kudos to you for changing what you were doing in such a big way. Like you seem so, so happy. Just don't throw that up there. Like <laughs> seems to be going great. Well, I mean, to be fair, it's not like I'm going to go on Instagram and be like, I'm so worried about money. Um, <laughs> oh, like I do every day. <laughs> I am just like bleeding my anxieties into social media. I don't recommend it. <laughs> well, I feel like it's probably not the most effective sales strategy for who I <laughs> Oh, true. Okay, yeah, yeah, true, true. And, you know, I'm still a human being and I worry about stuff mm -hmm. and you know, one of the reasons why it took me so long to adopt a puppy, I was like, what if something happens to them? Will I have enough money to take care of them? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But that's like just who I am. Yeah. Un unnaturally responsible. It's a first child thing. But that's also like, you know, there's been that cliche that's I think also true of people adopting pets during the pandemic and then just being like, oh, I can't like the vet bills are crazy. So, you know, it's good mm -hmm. that you're being like responsible. <laughs> I think Thank a lot you. of people aren't, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Well, so the last question I ask people is, how will you know when you've succeeded? 
Oh man. Um, good question. Again, I'm a nightmare Capricorn. So I love Capricorns. I like the people I almost married were both Capricorns. So intense. We love structure. Um, yeah. Huge pain in the asses, (laughs) but, uh, you're the best though. Yeah. Like you match my Taurus moon, which is like, I'm mostly, I'm a Scorpio Mm -hmm. and a Pisces rising. And so all those feelings really love that earth, earth, that earth energy. Yeah. The rigidity of the the groundedness. Um, yeah, I get that. Uh, yeah, I married an Aquarius. What was I thinking? (laughs) 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 Nonstop roller coaster. Um, no, but success. Um, it's, it's funny. I, you know, I feel like everything I've said has been about recalibrating. And I think that Mm -hmm. before, um, I had this wonderful thing happen as a result of sobriety, which is that I was able to set some goals and then achieve them. And that really had never happened in my life. I sort of stumbled onto doing well, you know, in the arts in a couple of ways. And it was mostly accidental. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I tell people who are newly sober, especially comedians, um, I, I moved to Chicago from Arkansas to perform in the clubs. I wanted to produce shows. I wanted to be in festivals. And about almost exactly a year after I got sober, um, I did, no joke, uh, Zany's uh, Laugh Factory and then Second City in the same week. And That is so awesome. Insane. Um, and then somewhere around that time as well, I got to do a show at Steppenwolf, which for <gasps> someone, yeah, which for someone who has so much theater baggage and, you know, um, eating disorder recovery is a big part of my actor struggle, you know, to do a show about being exactly as I was, you know, as a stand-up, not even as an actor, Steppenwolf was like a highlight for me. Um, but I, I throw out the successful things to say that um, I got those things and then I had to set new goals, you know, and that's really mm-hmm. scary to be like, wow, my biggest dream was to do stand-up and then I did it. And I, and I did, you know, all these festivals and all these shows and I produced a lot of things that I'm proud of, but um, then I did it and it was like, like, what do I do now? Um, and so, you know, I feel like I can still get into this trap of I'll be a real artist when, you know, fill in the blank. And mm-hmm. I don't think that that's actually real. I think right now I am being an artist. Um, I got a couple of messages on social media um, that have blown me away. Um, I had my first international uh, sale through my store, which is huge. And the person, so awesome. the person even better wrote me this lovely note and was like, I just discovered your art. I can't wait to see what else you do. And, you know, I think if I was some person who was just like drinking and sort of firing off ideas and not paying attention, I wouldn't have even seen that message. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I've had other people tell me that the comic has helped them process trauma and it's helped them um, get through anxiety and bad days. And I, I cannot believe it, but I have a couple of people who look forward to it every week and tell me so. I do. Oh, that's so nice. Like I could just, I could get choked up. Um, but so I think success for me is, is finding the thing I want to do and do it. And it used to be laugh factory name and marquee lights, you know? And, and I think that it's, it's a little bit smaller and a little bit more, um, I don't know, down to earth and small of like, I love drawing and now I'm doing it. I think as a career, you know, so. Yeah. It sounds like success for you is a way of being. I think so. And not a place to go. Yeah. And, and now in the pandemic, <laughs> I think that's a better goal. You know, we're all, we're all sort of grounded for better or for worse. So. 
Good luck, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> it's a terrifying time. <laughs> okay. Well, promote yourself. Where can people buy your stuff? Where can they give you money? Like, how do we make sure that you get to keep doing what you're doing and you don't have to go work a job you hate? Oh, thank you so much. Um, I just always say that, you know, any money that you spend in my store on Patreon helps me draw for myself and for not other people. Um, mm-hmm. So that's exciting. Um, you can find all of my stuff at SoberRabbit.com. That's sort of where you can find both my Threadless and Big Cartel stores. Uh, you can sign up for my Patreon, which is a lot of fun. Um, and then if you want to talk to me, um, I am Sober Furious on Twitter. And um, yeah, I'm such a good name. <laughs> <laughs> I am so petty. <laughs> but yeah, no, Sober Rabbit is kind of the home base of operations. And um, you can read the comic on Facebook and Instagram. But because of the swipe feature, I really recommend Instagram for reading it. And that's just at Sober Rabbit. Awesome. Thank you so much for doing this show. It was such a pleasure to have you. Yeah, thanks. It's so nice to see you. <laughs> it's so nice to see you too. All right. Thanks, Whitney. Thanks. This Is Not Advice is brought to you by me, Erin Conlin. If you are interested in learning more about my coaching practice or how we might be able to work together, please visit erinconlin.com. This podcast would not have happened without production support from Cedar Cathedral Narrative Studio. 